Hey, Kristen, how are you today? Not doing bad. I was just realizing that every time we go to record something, when you want for your voice to be really flowy and clear and that crystalness to it, that that's when I get lots of phlegm and debris. Does that happen to you when you're singing? Throat debris. <laughs> well, that's how it feels. You get some garbage in your throat? It just, it's like as soon as your brain knows that it needs to be articulate, your body's like, mm, I'm going to make it feel like you live on homogenized milk and big beans. What percentage milk is that for? I don't know. We haven't drank any kind of milk for a number of years. <laughs> Oat milk. <laughs> <laughs> Oat milk's probably the thickest of all. Maybe that's why. <laughs> the, uh, you just squeeze the milk right out of the oats? How does that even work? Yeah, I think you soak them. Soak soak oats. Mm. But does that happen to you before when you're singing? Uh, Are you like clearing just, your throat over and over and over again until you're just it's nervous. raw? You're I don't, yeah, I guess. Maybe. I don't feel nervous. <laughs> I just don't want phlegmy voice. Well, we'll we'll work past that. Okay. We'll get that debris out of there. We'll get the 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 garbage <laughs> man to take it out. I don't know what metaphor you got to use there. Get the drain out. We just bought new uh, organic green Drano. Yeah, who knew they made eco-friendly Drano? I wonder what well, that is. Like Drano. glorified vinegar and baking soda? Do you think? But Drano is like a brand. Like we're just using right on clogger. Yeah. Drain on clogger. We got green drain on clogger. Yeah. We'll see how it works. We'll keep you posted. We haven't <laughs> used it yet. So today <laughs> we are going to talk about a chapter from our book that is about our very first date. Not the first time we met because uh, there's another story about that. But this is the first time we set up a time to have a date and to to see what would happen. That's right. It's uh I love this chapter because most people have been on a first date of sorts so they can relate to at least some of the emotions that are found in the story. And uh I think it's pretty funny. It didn't go quite as planned, but it worked out. Hey, we're we're here right now hosting a podcast uh how many years later? Uh Almost 10? I think it's more. 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 Is it? <laughs> feels like feels like more. It's more than 10 <laughs> years later. Would you recommend our first date as a good first date for others to give a go? Well, I I, I guess I'd have to since look where we are now. Like it 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 proved successful. Mhm. So, uh why don't we just get right into the chapter and then we'll we'll come back so so everyone will know what we're talking about since it's so it's not just us alluding to things uh sounds great let's roll it here here you go folks this is burn muffins and cults a chapter written by Kristen in our book you and me burned muffins and cults love story number two I haven't been on many dates in my life. Maybe it's because most of the men who I've been in relationships with I've met organically, at a party or through a friend. The only thing my generation swiped left was the sweat from our brow. Most relationships were built without ever feeling datey. Maybe I just didn't get asked out much. Either way, I felt inexperienced when I met Michael. I had been talking to Mike online for a month. We met at an art fundraiser I had hosted where he unknowingly saved the day. His chivalry made for a good first impression, and so I connected online to thank him again and let him know how much I enjoyed the CD he had gifted me. Throughout the week since our first encounter, Mike had shared chapters of his first book with me, revealing a timeline of his life. He was working on a memoir that told the story of his band's adventures, hardships, shenanigans, and coming of age. I learned that in his 20s, he had set an old coach on fire with gasoline in the middle of a military baseball field. I knew he had a cousin named James, and his mom really liked cats. She had seven. I discovered he lived for music, liked grilled cheese cheeseburgers, and kicking things that were really high up. He seemed odd in a way I felt myself to be. 
He also sent me a few links to his YouTube videos, one where he was doing an operation on a robot while wearing a spacesuit, and one where he sings a revised theme song for the movie Snakes on a Plane that goes, Get these motherfucking snakes off this motherfucking plane. In a beautifully tender falsetto. His dark curly hair was slicked back and he wore a crisp suit and a necktie. He told me he filmed it at a particular piano store because the owner was blind and couldn't see what he was doing. I knew enough to really like him. Mike was living in Cape Breton throughout these weeks of corresponding on Facebook. His hometown, Inverness, wasn't as famous as it has grown to be now, but from the pictures he sent, or rather the ones that I creeped, it looked serene. He said that he was taking a trip from the island and coming to Halifax for St. Patty's Day. He would be staying with James. My heart fluttered a little as we casually agreed that maybe we would see each other in person while he was in the area. I felt as though he liked me too, but I had dated musician types before, nobody had yet warned me not to, and I knew they lived a transient and independent lifestyle. I paused and realized, so did I. Perhaps mothers had warned their sons about girls like me. Our first date was planned for March 17, 2011. Hoping to avoid the sea of green vomit and kiss me, I'm Irish t-shirts, I asked Mike if he'd like to hang out at my place. Neither of us were all that interested in food coloring in our beer or restaurants overcrowded with leprechauns and four-leaf clovers bought from the dollar store. Plus, I felt a little more in control if we were at my place. My apartment was the classic university basement rental with a left-behind microwave and toilet whose handle you had to jiggle but I had a few neat books and a set of dishes that matched. I was confident this would be enough to impress a guy who once killed a rat indoors with a sword. When I got nervous, which happened exactly the moment I woke up that day, I called my best friend Jessie to ask her for advice. She had more dating experience than I did. She had more everything experience than I did, and I trusted her expert opinion. She was in the food and hospitality industry and had made the accurate, universal observation that men liked food. As a starting point, I should have something to eat on hand, she suggested. I felt unprepared. This seemed like such an obvious oversight on my part. Food, of course. Always have food for guests. I had nine boxes of cereal and five different kinds of cheese, but didn't think those things went together. For bonus points, Jesse clarified, I could bake something. This would make my musty basement apartment smell like cinnamon in childhood, things that men like. I had a pre-packaged muffin mix that was only outdated by a year and a muffin tin that my ma was going to throw away but that I had asked to keep instead. It was tar black and would be the vehicle to a successful first date. Mike said he would be there at noon. It was an unusually warm spring day in Halifax, which meant I had to come up with an outfit that wasn't in my regular winter rotation. Picking out clothes for a first date is one of life's meanest moments. Many women can relate to having a closet so full of clothing that there's a good chance you've broken a fire marshal's code. I'm surprised my landlord wasn't charging me for a second occupant. But in that moment, I was the paper bag princess with only tattered rags and paper bags to throw over my now sweating and flailing body. A flurry of self-judgment and concern washed over me. By the end of the selection process, there were so many piles of clothes thrown about I felt like I had just rummaged through an avalanche for a corpse. I settled for a long-sleeve blue cotton Adidas dress. It was comfortable, but still a dress, so it felt dressy enough, but not like I was trying too hard. This old thing? Oh, yeah. I think I just got this at Value Village. True. And just threw it on before you got here. Lie. I would say if Mike complimented it. I wondered what he would have on. I wondered if guys went through this much agony preparing for first dates. Would he wear a dress shirt? Would it be ironed or something he bought new? My plan was to put the muffins in the oven shortly before noon so they would be fresh at just the right time. My apartment would smell of cinnamon about 30 minutes into our date and would act as a bonus feature to how awesome it was at Kristen's place. Mike was almost an hour late. We still disagree on this detail. He feels he was right on time. He truly is a punctual person, and as I'm sure is becoming clear, I was quite nervous. Either way, his unknown whereabouts and lack of cell phone only made me more jittery. 
Was I being stood up by a guy who taped fax beer to his hands and wore a jacket from 1993 with someone else's name sewn on the sleeve? It was 12.50 p.m. Amidst my panic, I was distracted by the smell of smoke. Was someone having a campfire in downtown Halifax on a March afternoon? It was St. Paddy's Day. People do crazy things on St. Paddy's Day. Suddenly, my smoke detector started screaming. That long, obnoxious foghorn cry to let you know you fucked up. The goddamn muffins. They'd been in the oven almost twice as long as the $1.99 bag had instructed. They were now lava mountains spitting fire and soot throughout my kitchen. I cracked the oven door and a tidal wave of smoke slapped my already sweaty face. I felt my eyelashes singe and mascara melt into my tear ducts. I grabbed the now blacker tin pan and threw it with its 12 bowling ball muffins on the counter and launched open my kitchen window. My apartment felt more like a horror movie. It smelled of char and decay, not cinnamon and desire. I was running around hot and anxious. My skin was dewy, my dress was wet with armpit sweat, and my hair now thrown up in a messy ponytail. I heard a knock at the door. I froze in the middle of my kitchen floor. I was exactly the opposite of what I had hoped to be in this moment. I was a disaster. I looked like I had been kidnapped and made to run home after my escape from a psychopath's windowless cube van. My apartment had just been on fire, maybe it still was, and was now colder than a small-town arena as all of the windows were open. I had only blackened bullets to offer, and I was painfully aware that Mike had to knock a second time at my door. I yelled, Come in! which sounded like a desperate shrill of despair screamed from the lungs of a tortured demon. Hello, Mike called in a calm voice, his neck craned down as all six foot four of his body crept down the stairs into the dragon's den of smoke. Hi, I replied sheepishly under a haze that was now burning my eyes and making my poorly applied makeup run. Mike didn't comment on the smell, the smoke, or the situation in general. He just smiled and shifted his weight a little awkwardly, but generally seemed happy to see me. He was wearing a tight, white, dull banana t-shirt and a pair of faded swimming trunks. He also had on a multicolored ball cap and sneakers with laces I think weren't the original set. I don't believe he had clothing Everest on his bed at home. I asked if he wanted to come in and have a seat on the couch. I had rented us a movie to watch, one that I had spent almost as long picking out as I had my outfit, and hoped it would somehow distract from the simultaneous hot and cold that seemed to be happening but wasn't being talked about. In those days, movie rentals were still a thing. In Halifax, there was a store called Video Difference, which supplied a steady stream of both blockbusters and indie obscurities. I wanted to rent something cool, so went to the indie section. Without really knowing someone, it's hard to choose a film you'll both appreciate. Even after a decade of being together, we still have to have a conversation about what movie we're in the mood for. I now know Mike generally likes films about boxing, war, or Vikings. I generally like movies starring Jennifer Aniston, puppies, or also Vikings, but for different reasons than Mike. The movie I selected had none of these things. The cover and brief description on the movie jacket made it look quirky and had reviews written by people I had never heard of, but I wanted to prove to an artist like Mike that I, too, was interesting and intelligent, that I got high art, that I could dissect and critique an independent take on alternative film that I could find a philosophical metaphor that was surely the undertone of this indie film, rented from an indie store that I was hip enough to know about. I was an artist too, after all. A painter, not a musician, but was certainly privy to creative obscurities, self-expression, and the unpredictable life that artists like us knowingly sign up for. We had this in common, at least. We sat side by side on the most uncomfortable couch in the world. It was basically a collection of thick metal bars with some tissue paper sewn over top. If you didn't sit exactly still in one particular spot, you would have a crossbar slam up between your butt cheeks. Um, I made muffins, but they're pretty burnt, I half-offered as the opening credits started to roll on my loaf of bread-sized television screen. I noticed there were some creepy scenes of teenagers burning things at a stake, and I wanted to come up with a distraction. What the hell did I rent? The burned muffins were the best I had to offer at this point. Much to my surprise and relief, his first bite was accompanied by a thumbs up and a grin. 
I would later learn that this was a guy who had survived for days off mustard and pizza crusts. So in hindsight, burned packaged muffins weren't such an epic fail after all. Four muffins in, I felt more at ease. I think he actually did like them. We chatted about Mike's hometown and I told him I had once been to Inverness. I had visited with three friends who I had tree planted with that summer. One of the girls had a friend who lived there. We had watched the horse races, got food poisoning, went to a party, and had a bonfire at the beach where we were nearly struck by lightning. I have a few pictures of that trip, actually, I said, and pulled out a stack of photos from the shelf behind us. Flipping through, Mike recognized the faces of some locals, and we giggled at the stories he shared about them. A photo popped up of the band we had seen at the bar in town called The Hoff. The people we were staying with took us to see this band, I said. They told us we had to go, and we had the best time. We went to a party at the lead singer's house later, too. Wait, that's my band. That's me, Mike replied, pointing to the blurry figure playing a guitar in the background. I found this somewhat serendipitous and felt a little butterfly be born out of the caterpillar that had been slowly walking me to my first date death. Maybe this could be something. Maybe he would like me. The movie, on the other hand, I'm not sure either of us liked. In a nutshell, it was about a teenage sex cult with plenty of drug consumption and violent ritualistic scenarios. On my checklist of first impressions, this was yet another epic fail. The movie lasted approximately 17 hours. Yet, at one point, fairly early on, the worst date of all time took a turn for the better. Once we had filled our bellies with charcoal, closed the windows, got the room temperature back to a balmy Arctic day, and balanced our butt cheeks like you would on the handles of a bicycle, we let our real personality shine. My armpit sweaty dress wasn't such a catastrophe sitting next to his faded shorts from the 80s. Before long, we were in hysterics over the absurdity of the movie and making up our own commentary for each scene. Eventually, we even held hands while maintaining our respective balancing postures on the Kleenex cage. I knew that if we could have fun under these circumstances, that we would have fun doing anything. I appreciated that Mike was able to see the humor in things and shared a mutual understanding that most situations in life aren't worth stressing about. I knew that it didn't matter what we did on our second date. I just hoped that there would be one. I can still sort of fit into the dull banana shirt. I love that we still have those outfits. I think we'll have to do a photo shoot wearing our first date outfits sometime. It's, well, I did, I did lose some weight in the last uh, two months, so I am closer to it now. But if I tried it on a Christmas, I'd be like a, a dad wearing a kid's shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it just rolls up the front a little bit. Well, yeah, I, but I think I can sort of get into it now and we definitely need to do a photo shoot and. Oddly, you wore that shirt for our first two dates, but I don't know that you ever wore it again. Well, it, was, it wasn't a planned thing. It's I, like, I got what I needed out of this shirt. It worked its magic. I better just like, hang it up now. No, I, I, was, I didn't make a conscious decision like on the first date. Okay, I got to... I got to impress Kristen and the, <laughs> I didn't think that was the, the mean, case. The means to do that, like this, there's a no fail method here and that's wearing a dull banana shirt like that. Well, maybe it was a little bit of my thought process. Like <laughs> who could really resist uh, a banana on a, on a man's chest. Some but, of our keen readers have taken note that the image on the cover of our book is us wearing our first date outfits too. It is, yeah, yeah. We we did that to see, uh, you know, cre- create a little connection between the art and the writing, and just a little a narrative that can continue on. We're doing a podcast about it now, so cover multiple mediums. I didn't work dull banana shirt into a song yet, but <laughs> that that's to come. Maybe you'll get some charging buffaloes in there too. Yeah, it's funny that your dad just happened to do the same. I guess I happened to do the same thing as your dad, wearing the the repeat outfit. I think with my dad, though, it was more intentional. Like, he was pretty proud of that buffalo suit from what I've been told. So it was certainly a mindful decision on his part to, like, 
I look sharp in this. I don't care if I show up in it every time. There's nothing better in my wardrobe. <laughs> well, I, if I had a charging buffalo suit, I, I would wear that every day. Yeah, same. I get it. I, I would. I want one. I feel like that would be pretty cool nowadays. Like, it seems like something that NBA players would wear to the All-Star game or something. Like, yeah. We'll see what we can dig up. I got the suit this year myself. You did. It's a pretty nice one too. It's really stunning, and, and they were so kind at the sh- at the store that. And I, uh, they they would let they. I had to pick out every single part of it. Like, oh, do you want your the buttons look like this? Do you want the fold look like this? Like every little detail I had to pick out, and then on the inside of the suit. They're like, what do you want? Do you want it just to be a solid color, a pattern? So I'm flipping through the book, and there's just all whatever. It can be white, black. It can be, like, kind of plaid. And then one page was just a picture of a giant puma. And I'm like, I have to get a friggin' puma on my suit. So the inside of my suit is, uh, it's not charging buffalo, but it's uh, a series of Images of pumas. Charging animals. It, it, does that make you feel empowered in some way when you're wearing it? Yeah, like, well, I am a puma. I have only got to wear it the one time so far for our, our photo shoot, but I, I'm just trying to think of places I can wear it and reasons that I can open up and show off the puma inside, mm-hmm. you know, let the puma out of me. We had intentions this past holiday season of like getting dressed to the nines you were going to wear your suit i was going to put a cocktail dress on and we were going to go to swiss chalet yeah. and have their holiday dinner but we ended up going away for well, the holidays covid so. also and you COVID weren't really stuff. allowed to sit inside but yeah so we're trying to figure out the perfect place to wear fancy outfits in a not so fancy place and if you have any suggestions out there just, just let us know because we we're still we're going to do this. Yeah, and, it doesn't have to be a restaurant, but just a place that we can get utterly glammed up, but maybe in an inappropriate venue. <laughs> maybe we just still go to Swiss Chalet. Like yeah. it's, it's like fast food, but a little bit classier. <laughs> like we could go to McDonald's or something, but uh, stay tuned. We'll have so that's two photo shoots now with one is our first date outfits. We'll have to reenact in some way and then how does your uh how's your dress holding out i still have it i i imagine it still fits i haven't tried it on for years but i've saved it knowing that it's what i was wearing on our first date and let's let's get into some more details there so first off covering the fact it wasn't intentional but maybe a little bit to impress you with a banana shirt and and the second date i can't remember the time passage in between when i wore it wore it again but yeah i don't remember how long in between it was either but it wasn't like the next day and i I did a double a repeater two days in a row like there was some time in the past and like in my mind i I probably just didn't remember what i wore but i i think that i love that it so speaks to your personality or maybe just how a lot of dudes show up for dates because I 100% would remember what I wore on the first date and would near die if I wore it again on the second. <laughs> yeah, it's a slightly different approach. Like, I, I don't want to go there, go on a date looking bad, but yeah, I, I guess guys in general just don't put in that energy, like, in... Maybe that's a general statement. You you were on your own, perhaps there, but it's all good. I, like it did work. You wore your Legion jacket the second date, I think. What's what name is sewn on the sleeve of your Legion jacket? Uh, I think it's Bobby. 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 <laughs> Michael Bobby. I love the, my middle name is Bobby. But in fairness, so, okay, back to the just the first date when you had not repeated the outfit yet, there were certainly a lot of things that did not go in my favor with the near burning my house down, the renting, the incredibly awkward movie. Yeah, let's talk about that movie for a little bit. Uh, it's called Happiness Runs, and we I bought it for you for Christmas, like, last year, and uh, it's... 
it's it's one of those movies that I don't think like a real distributor puts it out like it's it's by just some guy in his basement who burns them and tries to make it look real mm-hmm. so it doesn't actually play on our dvd player it's like you have to have a super sh- a really shitty dvd player to actually play <laughs> it because the newer ones recognize it as like this a ripped is copy. a fraudulent copy and it wouldn't play so we got it and we were all excited oh we're gonna watch this ridiculous movie again and it's just been sitting there for Two years or whatever. It was a nice thought. And I I genuinely would like to watch it again now and laugh and poke fun at it like we did the first time around. Yeah, it was that was that was what kind of uh, brought the day together, us just making fun of it. Like we that's when our our personalities came out. Like if we if I sat there and you were just like kinda going along with the movie, like I wouldn't have wouldn't wouldn't have fallen in love with you, you know. Like <laughs> you would have just thought I had terrible like, taste in film. Fucking nutcase! Like <laughs> this is the weirdest movie I ever saw. Like the only thing, the only option is to make fun of every single thing that's happening in it. Like, yeah, every moment that was possible. And that's kind of become is <laughs> what what we do in general. Like, like I think most people not making fun of others but a little bit i guess but well the book is more making fun of ourselves or the circumstances we've been in yeah and that is again we would never we'd never uh make fun of others if other people were around we do that just on our own when other people aren't listening right? i think that's how most people behave <laughs> yeah but in in airports or on a plane like you're you're not making fun of people but you're kind of just you're ob- noticing observing them yeah. and if there happens to be some type of quirk about them it's it's worth pointing it out in in, in some capacity so how did you feel <laughs> arriving for our first date were you nervous were you excited what oh, was both, happening with yeah. you yeah i i was i was excited to 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 meet up just because we we'd had uh, the encounter at the the show that that I played at that you you booked us for the last minute and also we'd communicated for a long time online so I felt like I had I'd known you for for a longer time than just getting to meet you once and. Like when, obviously, when you're communicating online in that capacity, just Facebook Messenger and email, the best version of you is coming out too. Like we, when when you write something to me, like I have time to think about. Okay, I can write the the be- the best message back in return. I can, I can, uh, I can just be. I don't have to be a stumbling moron on a first date. So, <laughs> yeah. so it felt like we, we had done, we had had that initial communication and then we started to get into a bit of deeper things. I started sending you parts of my writing and I was super nervous to do that because I didn't know you at all. And the first chapter in that book is about me having to break up with three Mormon nuns who were trying to convert me to become a Mormon. And I was trying to, convert them to become band groupies basically and uh people have to be wondering how it is that i (laughs) fell for you with these examples you're sharing (laughs) i think i think there's lots of obvious reasons here there are and it really was in hindsight such a beautiful way to get to know each other because by the time we actually had our first date in person you're right. We were sort of more at ease because we had a bit of we had covered all of the basics, you know, where are you from and siblings and background and interests and those yeah. kinds of things. So it was really more just about spending time together. Yeah, And you well, you read my whole book and no one else had ever read that before. Like yeah. that's that's a very intimate thing. Like. And the book is a lot of funny things, but it's it's also a, a memoir from a time in my life about follow, about following a dream, about being a, a young young band trying to trying to make it, and 
I was super nervous to to send that and and after you'd read a chapter, you would whatever write back and make some comments on it and but then you would relay stories f- from your life that mm-hmm. were were similar, like oh my God, this reminds me of when I was nineteen in Vancouver or whatever, so it was really a way to to get to know each other on a much deeper way and and then and then when the first date came i was i was still quite nervous just because i i had started to really like you based upon the communications we had so in in knowing you a little better that both it made me both comfortable to meet up but also nervous because i wanted to impress you i guess yeah well i impressed you right away with my cooking i'm certain that's why you stuck <laughs> well, around the thing is <laughs> and you say it in the, the writing like that i ate like five <laughs> of them or whatever and i do as you know now like i like things a little bit burnt you know like yeah we <laughs> all of these mishaps really worked in, in my favor yeah the, somehow the, the burnt, stars aligned i love the taste of the burnt muffins the stupid hilarious movie we got to make fun of uh the shitty couch wasn't super beneficial but uh yeah but it was true that is what i could afford in my second or third year university whatever it was at the time it made me made me know you were just a real person you know (laughs) yeah you 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 weren't you weren't a millionaire from a uh, oil baron family. You were just a regular, regular girl living a... in my basement apartment in Halifax. The student life. Yeah, but that's everyone goes through that. And uh... I remember dropping you off. This isn't part of the story, but I remember, like after you had band practice that evening with Bruce, and. I remember dropping you off at the rehearsal space and he w- he had been there for a few minutes. We were late. He'd been there for a few minutes waiting for you and was sitting on the hood of his car and we pull up and I dropped you off and he was just beaming. Like I could tell he was ready to grill you with questions like, oh yeah, I'm getting dropped off by some girl at band practice. So, <laughs> Well, <laughs> he had met you too, I guess. So he, yeah. he, he knew who you were. So. <laughs> But I guess, probably made it all the more funny, though, for him. And it was St. Paddy's Day, so there was, and it was exceptionally warm. It was like a yeah, just a. I always the first really f- nice uh, days of spring are like some of the best feelings in the world. After you go through these hard East Coast winters, and all of a sudden you step outside. And the sun is shining. You can wear a t-shirt. Just everyone's happy around you. And there's just so much life and possibility and just good in the air. And it was it was a day like that, right? So it was, mm-hmm. you think, and when you know, you know deep down that you're, we're going to get a couple more storms. Like, it's mm-hmm. inevitable. But I remember that day was one of those days. It was super warm out, and the winter had been long and hard, as they all are here. And there was so much just energy in the air. So it just felt like everything was, was coming to life. And that, I think that kind of added to the, the day and the date itself. And then... And it just went from there. Today's episode is brought to you by Sam Lightwork. Sarah Ann Mater discovered stillness through meditation and breathwork. She offers both virtual and in-person facilitated sessions that will help guide you towards your own truth and story. She'll guide you home. With a background in human psychology and a committed meditation practice of her own, Sarah delivers a supportive, sweet, and grounding experience to her clients. We've had the beautiful opportunity to experience Sarah's magic and know you will too. You can follow Sarah on Instagram at Sam Lightwork. Yeah, we both arrived in good moods. I mean, I was a little bit frazzled by the time you got there between the house being on fire and the sweating and the smoke detector and the whole thing. But I agree. I remember the day itself being serene and warm and energetic yeah those those days just i don't know you just just get excited about life and then when something 
good happens, like going to see someone on a first date that just, you know, it just ups the, ups the, the, the good in it. And you just, you feel really alive. So it was, I think a, a combination of a lot of things worked out in, in our favor that day. And, and again, now we're, we're doing a podcast. That This is a good example of the universe being on our side. So we, we talk a lot about following our dreams and whatever that might look like. That's what to, this podcast is about. Yeah, and being creatives and entrepreneurs and working outside of the box and all of those things. But I feel like there was a serendipitous nature to that day despite all these bad things that happened, it it really, they were all good things. Now that we can reflect on them, that's really what helped us bond, which is great. So if you're somebody who's going on a first date or maybe feels like you had a bad first date, some of those obstacles are really what end up being the most memorable, beautiful parts of it. Yeah, I think it really lets your personality shine through when you're going through something that's a little bit challenging and not challenging like whatever your algebra that is quite hard you you took a <laughs> was it art math that's what, <laughs> when when i uh, first met you like oh i took art math and i just had this vision in my head of like whatever five five van gogh paintings plus three da vinci paintings and mm-hmm. you get that was how I envisioned art math. We did a lot of cutting out shapes and making them into three-dimensional geometry shapes. Did you like learn how to add and do stuff like that? Yeah, this was maybe grade 11 or 12 or both. Oh, yes, of course. We 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 learned math. But <laughs> I don't I don't really know how much of it applies, although Algebra and calculus wouldn't necessarily apply to my day-to-day either. Like people used to say in high school, when am I ever going to use this? And I now that we're middle-aged, I'm like, mm, I think we were right in saying that. <laughs> like, sure, we use basic math, but well, like if my you could... Friend, uh, my friend Peter has a, a joke, like uh, he's a comedian and I guess he's just a guy with a joke, uh, but uh, he... He says that uh, people always say, why don't they teach us things in school like that are are applicable in real life, like how to do our taxes and shit? And he's like, that's called math. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose people complain about applying for a mortgage and a lot of them are math related. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like for the average person, like. I took uh, pre-calculus and like, that stuff is just ridiculous. Unless you're going in to be a math teacher or a physicist, like that's a one regret I had have in life is taking taking those subjects that uh, you were supposed to take if you were good in school. Like I would have rather take gym class and calculus, right? Like. And and they were that that was just the way the options were set up in a small shitty school. Didn't you take Gaelic studies instead of gym class? <laughs> yeah, because like, were you thinking uh, that was gonna lead to? Well, we <laughs> oh, in the summer of my grade nine or ten year, a Scottish field hockey team came to Inverness for some reason, and uh, our teacher who had taught us like history that year and. Just in small towns, like everyone knows everyone, but he got in touch with us and said, will you guys play a soccer game against this Scottish field hockey team? <laughs> like, uh, sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. So we went out and played and he said, oh, and by the way, next year, if you take Gaelic studies, we are going to go to Scotland to, uh, to tour around and we'll visit this these people that we're going to play soccer against. And uh, since I think they were from Inverness, Scotland mm-hmm. and we're like, Holy shit, a trip to Scotland just for taking a shitty course. Yeah. It's a selling point. And I, I was an, an athlete. Like I played 
five sports or whatever. But I'm like, gym class, ugh. Obviously, I want to be in gym class rather than doing book work. But I'm like, I want to go to Scotland. And there's, it was just felt like an amazing trip. And then I, so I took this, this course, Gaelic studies over gym and ended up that uh, the, the trip just never happened. Like we went, we used to go on class trips at Inverness uh, Academy to go to Port Hawks Bay just to get fast food. Yeah. Like that, they were, that was the extent of our school trips. Like you hear people like, oh, our class went to Greece. Like we went to McDonald's in Port Hawkesbury. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. Like how f- I think we went to Oakalon Farm, which felt exciting at the time, but same 20 minute drive away. There was, uh, we were supposed to go to Halifax too. Like that would have been like big, the big city for a bunch of us hicks. And uh, we were supposed to do that in our science class, but the the year before us, they all went and just, well, did what you'd expect, like broke curfew and I'm sure someone got caught drinking and like all the things that uh, you're not supposed to do. And when, when a bunch of uh, country kids are released into the big city, too. <laughs> so then they canceled that trip on us. They ruined it for everyone. So like, we're going to McDonald's in Paroxbury to get one meal. And then we're going home. Just a, the thrill of the year. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's one disadvantage of growing up in smaller smaller places. <laughs> so can you say something in Gaelic? Did you learn anything in that it class? It wasn't that's... the language. It was it was interesting. Like I do like the history of that stuff and Okay. Like we learned about the Battle of Culloden and uh just the Highland clearances. Like do you know do you know much about that stuff? Let's hear it. Let's do a, cr- a quick crash course and then we'll go back to first okay. date discussions. <laughs> Let's see what I can remember about uh <clears throat> the history of Scotland. So, back in the day, uh, there were there was always some friction between the the Scots and the English folk there, and the the Scots were a little bit, let's say, um, not as wealthy. Like they were, there's some some hardworking folk that were Scottish, and a lot of my descendants are from there, and yours as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, so the English decided that sheep were more valuable than uh, people from Scotland. So so they said, okay, uh, you guys, you have to leave because this land is for sheep and not you. And they kicked all these Scottish people off their land to make room for sheep. And this is called the Highland Clearances. I see. And all the Scots were like, well, this is... This is bullshit. Like I, I'm, I'm better than the goddamn sheep, you know. So they're like, we got to make a, a big stand. And the the Battle of Culloden happened. What year was that in? 1755 was the expulsion of the Acadians. The, the I, I, I'm mixing up years, so I'm trying to remember. Anyway, the 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 Battle of Culloden was like the Scots' big last stand to try to try to tell the English pricks to go go screw off. Where does Braveheart fit into the storyline? Uh, you know, I haven't thought about it all in a long time. <laughs> really putting you on the spot here yeah. with your history trivia. Anyway, the 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 English were, weren't very nice to the Scottish for a long period of time. And uh that's why that's why we're here. Well, you see, you did, you took something from that class yeah. and that gym class wouldn't have offered. We also lost in that. If you're curious about the the soccer game, uh, none of us were really soccer players. Like we could kick a ball around and would play uh, at lunchtime or whatever. But uh, yeah, the Scottish field hockey all star team were very good at soccer. Like they were playing soccer from a very young age, and we lost. Five nothing. It was a game up to five, and it may have been five minutes at the most. Like <laughs> a goal they a just minute. destroyed us. <laughs> and then I'm like, "Well, let's play a basketball game now." And they're like, "Sure, we'll play in basketball." And then we basically did the same to them, just because you evened out the playing. Yeah, field. they were all amazing at soccer, but never played basketball. And now yeah. you know. Yeah. So so yeah, don't don't challenge a Scottish field hockey team to soccer if uh if you don't play soccer yourself cuz 
they're likely going to be pretty good. That's a great, great uh, piece of advice. Should anyone <laughs> find themselves in that scenario? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty common these days. So let's just circle back here yeah. to to the first date scenario. Had you been on other first dates? Because I talk about in the book that I hadn't really... Like when you think about going on a date, it's usually a little bit more structured or formal. Like I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go for dinner or a movie or whatever the thing might be. So I had dated people, but usually you just meet at a social environment or like very few times that I had that kind of classic, not that this was, but I didn't have much frame of reference and and I didn't know that about you either. I didn't know if this was something that you had done often or that it looked like that. Well, I don't think uh, many people, whatever, a dozen years ago were just meeting random people for dates like, like now. Because like, the way people date now is uh, with dating apps and that. Like some you don't know anything about other than what they post on their profile and you match and then you go out on a date. Yeah, but, but I would say in our day that people more so went on the traditional. Well, maybe the traditional date, like let's go for a movie that, but it seemed like people met in the way you're saying. Right, like it I was, see. Uh, you're hanging out at a friend's place and then they happen to be friends with this other person and whatever, like you, you end up meeting, but it's, I feel like there was always some bridge connecting uh, people that that I would have dated. Just it seems that it, there weren't many just random, random encounters or random. Like, yeah, it's just it's not the same as right now. Like people are on dates all the time. Like yeah, I have five dates a week or whatever. Um, have you ever been on a blind date? No. No, me either. Not that I can remember. That I think that was like a more thing in like the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting how it's evolved, though, how we socialize and network. Well, I th- I th- I read something in the last while that the way people view other people now is changing drastically, just because. There's so, so many options out there in like the dating profile and you so, so easily just dismiss someone like however it works on the swiping. I don't know if left or right is good, but when you're, when you're, when you don't like someone and you swipe the way to get rid of them, like you're just doing that so constantly, you're just, mm-hmm. you're tri- tricking your brain to I don't know if it's devalue people or just look at them as more objects. Like you're objectifying and just looking for something very specific, which, which yeah, it seems seems kind of crazy. Just to do you think that that behavior also is applying to other aspects of our life? So thinking about per, your job, for example, that okay, this isn't. what I'm looking for and therefore is not the right fit. Like, do you think that that tolerance or learning curve has been impacted in other ways? Definitely. Yeah. I feel like modern society and maybe, maybe the younger generation even more so, but us as we're, we're living through this, we're everything we do is we'll, like renting a movie back in the day, you went to the movie store, you picked out a movie, and you've likely watched it from start to end no matter what. (laughs) Nowadays, with all the streaming services, you start a movie and three seconds in, if you don't like it, you're you're moving on to something else. Yeah, that's so true. You don't give things a chance like you used to. And music, you don't let an album grow on you. You listen to something once, and it might not hit you the right way, but... And then so you're on to you're on to something new. But back in the day, you got an album and you listened to it, and like I didn't like it, but I'm gonna keep listening to it and give it a chance because that's what your options were. It was you you didn't have the endless endless uh, ability to stream everything in the world in front of you. 
So you'd listen again and again, and all these nuances would would come out, and you'd you'd hear these these parts in the songs how they tie together that you you wouldn't if you didn't listen to it a bunch, and then all of a sudden you're like, this is a masterpiece. Like, and I think that general vibe is happening in lots of aspects of life, and probably even dating. Like, you could dismiss someone right away because something about them doesn't appeal to you instantaneously and maybe that person is perfect for you or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah it, it feels like it is seeping into our our modern lives what do you think i was thinking this morning how i was struggling with connecting a MailChimp newsletter to my Facebook site and how there's a big learning curve for me, at least, in the tech aspect of being an entrepreneur. And there's so many elements to to being an artist that are beyond just your creativity or the product that you're making. So I, I guess it's safe to assume for most artists, that's probably the most enjoyable part. But there's all these other, at least half of our work is other than that. So it might be marketing or accounting, networking, advertising, all these things and feeling feeling frustrated in that moment that, you know, I don't know how to do this. It isn't easy. It isn't intuitive. It isn't what I want. And how I, I wonder if like these newer generations and connecting this back to the dating and how it's so easy just to swipe and move on because it seemingly is not the best fit like kind of experiencing a similar feeling this morning and like oh this isn't for me I'm not good at this like how easy it would have been just to walk away and give up and like no this is not for me but I spent a couple of hours and I figured it out and now I feel not only have I learned something but I feel proud of myself for having stuck it out and figured it out on my own and I I wonder if that same if you had that same patience for relationships and getting through the burned muffins and the awkward movies, rather than just saying like panicking and you know like no this isn't for me and just drawing that immediate conclusion. Yeah, I think I think people people are are definitely now starting to just since there are so many other options for things out there, not give things a chance. And I definitely see that in, in relationships and in younger people and just their, their mindset. Like if someone in a relationship does something that's not that significant, like it's, it's the end of the world because, because there's a million options out there to, Mm -hmm. to look for or to look through anyway and, and, and try to find. So I think, I think, yeah, just the ability to work on things in general, like, like the example you just said there, like we, that's something that for me as a, as a musician and working uh, in the music industry, like everything is I do is about, okay, figuring this out, how to do it, working through it and how to get get onto the other side of it and without without that mindset and the ability to do that i i wouldn't get anywhere because at the end of the day it's either you know they say shit or get off the pot and if i'm not doing it it's not going to happen do you have a piece of advice for folks that might be struggling with Shit or get off the pot. Yeah, I guess. Or or just do it. Nike. Nike's motto. Yeah. I think I, I said that to you recently. Uh, what was it about? Oh, we were doing the cold plunge. Yeah. Uh, so we, I've, I've been jumping into the ocean in the winter for a, a long time, since, since I was, I was just 12 or something. I started doing polar dips, and the first time I did it, it was the f- town's first ever polar dip on uh, New Year's New Year's Day in Inverness, and it was super cold, like like minus 
whatever it was, and the wind was blowing off. The north wind was blowing, just howling off the water, huge waves. And it was just a nasty day. And <laughs> I remember everyone down the water and everyone who wanted to go in was just kind of like, uh, what do we do? And I was there, just a 12-year-old, chubby 12-year-old boy. And uh, I'm like, I'm just fucking going for it. <clears throat> so I just dropped. Brave as a bear. I just dropped the, the towel I had around me and ran into the water the first. And I have video of this. I ran into the water. And then a stream of people followed after me. And uh, my motto since then was just, just go for it, you know, like just. You can think about it as much as you want to run the scenarios through your head of what's going to happen, but at the end of the day, you just have to do it. And when we were going to do the cold plunge together, I was like, just <laughs> don't even think about it. Just go in. <laughs> just just let it happen. You know it's going to be cold, but you just let it let it sink in and let it let it. Uh, let it surround your body. Let that feeling happen and, and see where it takes you. And I, I feel like for for everything, whether you want to just write a song or start working out, like just just start it. Don't don't put all the thoughts and considerations into why it may work, why it might not work. If you just take that first step, you never know where it will take you. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Like... That's as simple as it needs to be, I suppose. It's good advice. <laughs> it's it's very simple, yes. But I think a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to start eating healthy on this day, or after this I'm going to start going to the gym, or whatever it may be. And not that, not that I can just do anything at any moment. Like, obviously, there are moments where you have to give yourself a little pep talk, but at the end of the day, just, just going for it is, is the biggest thing. And the outcome isn't, isn't the, the only factor. It's the fact that you're doing it and be proud of yourself. Knowing when, when you went in the water the very first time, like you were in pretty quick and. I uh, was out much out, quicker. Out pretty quick. Um, but that's fine. You're not you're not expected to go in and be Wim Hof and be in there for forty minutes your first time. Like you you made the first step. It doesn't. You're not you're not trying to be the best in the world at it. You you did it, and you should be proud of yourself. And since then, you've you've gotten better. And not that it's a comparison, but you got better to yourself. Like you're com- com- in comparing to yourself, and that's that's a uh, something that should just make you proud of yourself yeah I, the, prove i think proving to your brain just the mechanics of your brain and how it needs those um sort of consistencies the the cold dipping has been symbolic of that if nothing else in that constant and continuous proving to myself that you can get over the mental block of something being difficult or i'm still nervous when we go do it but i i think about this and how it applies to our lives as risk takers, I'll say, or some might call us in pursuing the life that we are, is that you don't have to know what's going to happen or who you're going to be five years from now. It's it's impossible to know that anyways. But we do kind of get caught up in that headspace and things like just challenging yourself to do that one simple first step can help you realize that. Like, all I have to do today is today. And this one task or this creating this website this morning or this newsletter this morning, like, I don't need to worry about how many subscribers and how my first publication is going to look at that and if it's going to get bounced back or like, I just need to figure out one one step of that process. One thing leads to another. And I think it is good to have a general plan like like in five years i'd like to be doing this this and this but it doesn't it's not it's not solidified like it's fluid and it's changing because you never know what opportunity will lead to another opportunity and i've talked about this before uh in playing playing music 
like you you have so many different opportunities come up that you would never expect and you just follow them if it makes sense like i played at music nova scotia week um geez almost probably seven or eight years ago and that's in yarmouth like what what opportunities are you expecting to find in yarmouth but uh the delegates come in from around the world, different festivals and stuff, and we played our set. And afterwards, uh, a promoter from the Great Escape Festival in the UK was there. She's like, hey, would you like to come play the Great Escape in Brighton? I'm like, that sounds phenomenal. We'll play that. So we, we go to Brighton because we played Music Nova Scotia Week. And in Brighton, we're play, we play a show there. And we get off the stage and three Finnish guys approach us and they say, hey, do you want to come do a tour in Finland? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, that sounds amazing. We will do mm-hmm. a tour in Finland. So all these things happen. Like I would never have expected to do a two week tour in Finland, but just the one opportunity led to another, led to another and just putting your best self out there and and just doing it, you know, yeah. and seeing where it takes you. Like, I always wanted to tour in Europe, but I never thought of touring Finland just because, I don't know, just a kind of a random country that you never really consider. But it ended up being amazing, and that led to other opportunities and friendships and whatever. So one thing leads to another, and as long as you're putting yourself out there and putting the energy into it uh the, the i feel like the right things will happen but it just has to start with the effort i listened to a podcast recently and they were talking about those things that you might miss out on by not living the life that you want and your reference to these opportunities that you had you weren't expecting and talking about friendships you made. And in this discussion I was listening to, they were saying everything from imagine the the best cheeseburger or that you never would get to eat, or maybe you meet your best friend along the way that or a mentor, or you get to see the most magical sunset, like whatever the example is, you you're not necessarily setting out to find those things, but there are these surprises that come to you simply by taking that first step simply by being willing to not know the the full picture but having a just a smidge of courage to just do it we'll use that slogan (laughs) and you know even the the cold dipping is a good example of that I, I don't want to belabor it but that that one day that one moment of just making a decision to dunk my body in and out really helped set this whole trajectory for me of we go every week and we do that now I try to push myself and stay a little bit longer if that feels right we have a community of other people who do this practice that we're you know we're we're part of this group and you feel like you have this thing in common that you can talk about and aside from all the the health benefits the physical benefits it's it's really taught me the importance of just how small that that example of showing up in your life can create this snowball effect of unknown amazing outcomes yeah that's i guess that's what life is like we can we can sit back and complain about what what we don't have or we can just see where th- things take us and like i said earlier we're doing a podcast now together in a house that we own uh talking with rings on our fingers Mm. we're married (laughs) because you asked me to play a show uh two days before for for no pay We'll just slide that uh, in there again. That. I was not getting paid, but said, yeah, well, that sounds like a good opportunity. And then we met and went on a date. Uh, you rented a shitty movie, Burnt the Muffins, and I wore a banana shirt. And all these little things <gasps> play into 
put us where we are now and all these little moments sum up who we are and what we've become and every single the common thread between all of this is just <laughs> is just doing it is uh and is, not being uh, sidetracked by what appears as a misstep or a mishap like i could have let those burned muffins just destroy the day yeah. if i let it or the embarrassment of watching a sex cult movie that i had no idea is what we would be getting ourselves into like all of those things can can impact you and steer you in a different direction but it's it's we opted to roll with it instead roll with the punches it ended up actually being a good thing so so yeah i guess we could recommend our first date if anybody wants to give it a shot like let us know how it goes if you want to borrow from any of these <laughs> incredible pieces of dating advice they're any, all there for you in the book if any guys <laughs> want to borrow my shirt like i'll i'll let you have it for a day yeah it's a lucky shirt you could rent it out maybe yeah 20 bucks a day <laughs> <laughs> but they'll need it for the second date. That's true. As well. Maybe you could do bucks. like a, a BOGO sale or something. I'm not selling. I'm keeping the shirt. They can just rent it, you know? Yeah. So there's a Dole t-shirt up for rent now. 20 bucks for a date. And there we maybe go. give like a $15 rate for the second date if things go well the first hey. time around. Yeah. If, I think if it if it goes well enough that they get a second date, they get it for free. Okay. But let us know if you have any uh, first date stories or first interaction stories that you'd like to to share. Uh, if if they're funny or amazing or whatever, um, and just just examples of you going for something and where that took you. Like, like we talked about a few few uh, examples there ourselves and how. You know, one thing leads to another that you're not expecting, but it can be something that shapes your life in an incredibly positive way. Yeah, we'd love to hear any any tips or scenarios. We can share them in our Instagram stories so everyone can benefit from your advice. Yeah, and we just <laughs> like to like to hear from you because it puts a smile on our face. But yeah, uh, check out our website, folks, www.mikeandkristen.ca. And... Uh, if you want, pick up a copy of her book, pick up some of Kristen's art, some of my music. It's all online. You can find it, and we'll be back. We appreciate you listening. Thanks, everyone. Cheers.